Welcome back to season two of the PT Graduate Podcast. Great to have you with us. Looking forward to a brand new season at the PT Graduate and enjoying the fact that we've had a bit of a break, a bit of a lie down on the beach and raring to go for 2022. So whatever happens this year, the podcast will keep chipping away. They'll still interview guests and you'll be able to tune in and listen to hopefully some inspiring stories and some interesting people. This year, there's going to be a bit more variety. There's going to be some more um, mixture of people. But today, this first episode of season two is up next with Megan Raiden, who is the exercise physiologist I mentioned at the end of season one. And she helps explain the difference between what a PT does and what an exercise physiologist does. Um, Some good overlap, but there are also some parts that are quite distinctly separate. So sit back, enjoy the episode with Megan, and here's to season two. Thanks for being with us. Welcome back to the PT Graduate Podcast. My guest today, Megan Raiden, exercise physiologist. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Nice to be here. It's fantastic to have you here. And um, and your business, uh, Megan, is Optimize Health. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, but you don't just do that, right? You, you've got a few fingers and a few pies and you do, you're a very highly qualified lady who um, has taken the path to exercise physiology. And I guess you would be the first ex-phys that I've talked to. Um, traditionally, I'm talking to, to PTs or sit or group exercise type people. So today would, is a really good opportunity to help define what you do and that what may be different to um, a PT's role, because obviously there is there's some overlap, but there are also parts that are, are quite different. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm keen to explore that. But tell, tell me a bit about Optimize Health and some of the other things that you do. Okay, yeah, so I guess um, probably start of introducing Optimize Health, which is a clinical exercise physiology business first and foremost. Um, I founded it with my business partner, Catherine, uh, almost four years ago now. So, uh, I mean, we've gone through a few lockdowns, so yeah. probably about three years in practice. But, um, yeah, so we started basically together. We had met each other through the university system, through our studies, um, and we just fell in love with the the role of using exercise as a treatment to help prevent and rehabilitate from special considerations and chronic conditions. Um, And I think that's the kind of the forefront of what a clinical exercise physiologist is. So Mm -hmm. Optimize Health, we see patients or clients, if you like, from a wide range of conditions, um, from your apparently healthy all the way up until your chronically ill, very high risk individuals. Um, And we use specialized assessment tools um, and expertise that we've taken through our studies to um, use exercises, basically the treatment to improve their quality of life and prevent further decline. And we Mm. love it. We Mm. absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see just looking at some of your uh, some of your social pages and uh, the activities that you get up to. It looks like a, a lot of fun and you certainly make it engaging and enjoyable for for those participants. For sure. It's probably one of the most important things is, is. You know, engagement and yeah. the, the lifestyle it creates for these individuals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so go into a little bit more depth for me in terms of the you talked about, was it was it diagnostic or assessment tools that you use that kind of help you identify what you need to do? Yeah, sure. So as a, a clinical exercise physiologist, I like to, I guess, probably 
to explain it as a bridge between the exercise and the medical industry yeah. um, and probably something that's really important to point out is that we aren't diagnostic we do not diagnose anything uh, mm. that's not under our scope of practice yeah. um, however we work very closely with medical professionals so your cardiologists gps neurologists any sort of specialist um, where they provide diagnostic information on a client and we um, then further assess in order to maximize or optimize, if you like, our prescription. Mm. So assessments such as ECG, cardiac-based assessments on the okay. cycle, we do blood pressure monitoring, we can do pulmonary function. Um, if the equipment is there, you can do lots of kind of cardiopulmonary assessments or VO2 max testing, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of clinics around Auckland do have. Unfortunately, we don't, but there is a lot of um, assessment tools that you can use. Um, and we use it as a way to ensure that exercise is safe for the individual, but also to find the right kind of exercise uh, parameters or the right intensities for an individual to work at. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah and, it's, and there's a lot of research out there showing how much benefit you can have based on different sort of assessments. I mean, it's a good objective way to measure a lot of. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can come back to it and, uh, and redo it if you want to, and then you can measure the, the change that's occurred, can't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also because we work with a lot of high-risk individuals um, who are chronically ill and have could have multiple comorbidities um, or have terminal conditions that are um, degenerative. We also use it as a screening tool. So if we were to see something that was out of the uh, ordinary of what we'd expect for that client, we can then easily refer back to the medical profession, a professional or their specialist. So yeah, yeah, we don't diagnose, but we do. We can pick up things sometimes, which mean we can go back to the medical professional and ensure they're safe and and ready. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So um, I'm 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 not clued up in terms of how the qualifications work. Obviously, you've got a degree in in um, exercise science. You've also got a master's, which we can talk about in terms of what it was but is yeah. that masters is that an element of being a qualified ex-phys or is it not necessarily required yeah so in order for to become a registered clinical exercise physiologist in New Zealand through the governing body which is CEPNZ mm. um, you're required to hold a tertiary education with yeah. postgraduate qualifications yeah. um, so as well as a whole host of clinical experience, monitored clinical sure. experience hours. Yeah. So um, there are ways to kind of become a registered CEP with um, a postgraduate degree, but most people, at least to date, have also got their master's because yeah. that's how you gain all that extra yeah. um, experience, clinical experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, so uh, it's a long study. Yeah, we yeah. Science, yeah. Did you know what you were letting yourself in for? No, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. I, honestly, I would have not never known I was going to get here, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> Good yeah. on you. Yeah. Are there many around? I don't know the numbers. That's actually probably something I should know. Um, as I sit <laughs> on the board of CPMC. Okay. <laughs> but I, there are there are quite a few around. There are, hmm. and there's more every year. Um, joining, we've got. Uh, a good amount of clinical exercise physiologists in Auckland and around yeah. the North Island and also a few in the South Island, yeah. um, but always growing, hoping to grow. It's mm. The, mm. the value of the profession is huge. Um, we see it in our clients every day. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and do you partner with PTs? I mean, I know that you do a lot of uh, outdoor stuff and, you know, getting just getting people active. And like you, you mentioned, lifestyle, you know, it's giving them a certain lifestyle when they're be, you know behaving in a certain way and participating in your group stuff. Sure. Is is there overlap or do you see them as being quite distinct and separate? Uh, there, I mean, there is definitely overlap. I think any good personal trainer as well as a good exercise physiologist would say that the best way to help an individual is through individualized prescription and not only their physical health, but their mm. lifestyle, behavioral education. Um, where I see the biggest differences is our qualifications and our experience as clinical exercise physiologists allow us to provide that next level of assessment. Um, and we have the, the medical knowledge to see know how medications interact with different exercise responses mm, and, mm, and what yeah. sort of um, yeah, what sort of assessment is needed for different conditions. So I mean we we see someone who's just gone through open heart surgery. Um, and we also see someone who has just been diagnosed with stage three cancer. So like the, it's just the range is huge. We could also get someone post knee operation, diabetes, anything out of your ordinary young, healthy individual yeah. is where yeah. I like to say we that's where we excel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you forgive me if I'm wrong or correct me if I'm wrong. But as a personal trainer, from what I understand, like you can you can become a personal trainer in quite a few different ways some some mm. just for an online course so I think mm. depending on how the personal trainer gets to where they are they're not technically really experienced or trained to assist with these high-risk medical yeah. conditions and yeah. I think that's the biggest point of difference um I yeah. guess I would love to say that I work 100% in the clinical exercise physiology realm but unfortunately at the moment as a business that is not a great business model for us um yeah. because we it, it, we're just not that well known um mm. and we struggle to get enough clientele so that's why as optimized health you will also see us running outdoor sessions mm. and doing mm. some personal training and mm. and that sort of thing but yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. a lot of overlap I mean, we all believe exercise is the right treatment, right? So it's it's certainly you know if it was a bottled medicine, it would be uh, the most valuable in the world, wouldn't it? Exactly, and I think um, that's one of my favourite quotes that's come that's yeah. come through all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it sounds as though um, you know you could have a PT who goes and does further education, and then kind of reverse engineers themselves from PT into an ex-phys, but I guess there would be a considerable amount of study required. But then some PTs do do um, a bachelor and then they go on and specialize in certain things. So uh, there's, I see, you know, there, there being some, some overlap, but at the same time, I guess there's a more traditional path to, to your, into your role, which is quite well acknowledged and, and, and recognized, I suppose, by the industry and by the medical fraternity. And I suspect that probably gives them more confidence in working with you as opposed to, you know, your, your PT who got his six month course, uh, online course done, and he thinks he can help people in the same way, which obviously isn't the case. So yeah. it's, it's great to, I guess, get a better understanding of that and, uh, and uh, you know, hope, hope that other people can, uh, can see that too. Um, so your master's healthy aging and ischemic heart disease effect on uh on the, the blood flow to the skin during exercise wow if i knew you were going to bring up my masters i would have refreshed my memory ah. <laughs> <laughs> but, sorry. Yeah, so, sorry. It's okay. 
um yeah it was a big year of my life but I've seen to kind of put that behind me a little bit but I did look at the um effects of aging so um compared young healthy individuals to apparently older healthy individuals Mm -hmm. as well as the effect of ischemic heart disease so coronary artery disease on the blood vessels um in the skin so the microvasculature and how that kind of might change during exercise interesting yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i um won't link this podcast to my super (laughs) choose choose your audience wisely Um, (laughs) but yes we're working with a lot of um individuals to to look at how potentially cardiovascular disease can affect the smaller blood vessels not just the big arteries yeah. and the, the heart, yeah. vessels yeah. around the heart that that usually gets looked at um mm-hmm. yes. and i suppose those are the vessels which if there's a problem that can be that can potentially turn turn nasty pretty quick you know you, you might start to uh you know lose limbs or um you know eyes whatever wherever it may be i mean I, my my knowledge is, is sketchy but you know if you're talking about something like type 2 diabetes you know the the the, the worst consequences are that uh, that part of the body just isn't working properly and therefore limbs could be you know in yeah, question. Sure. so i guess you're kind of touching on a bit of the neuropathies that can happen with diabetes yeah. and the right. extremities and that's the very small blood vessels around, yeah. around mm. the the eyes so there's a lot of kind of um kind of flow on effects from long-term uncontrolled diabetes yeah Um, yeah but yeah i mean it's amazing because our bodies just tend to know what to do um Mm. or you really start studying something you realize how much you really don't know about anything (laughs) Um, but your body (laughs) just continues on like it's known forever so um yeah my master's was something that I look back on pretty fondly I say like it was a really good learning curve and I got to work with some amazing people and um educators at the university um and it kind of set me up with with the tools to to know how to research further if I come across a case that I'm not sure of or gives you the confidence to to go out there and keep asking questions Mm, mm, yeah mm. and was there any particular reason why you chose that that topic that subject to to dig into um I think I kind of well in, in some sort of way fell into it um through interest as well but a couple of the um uh researchers and lecturers at the university who I worked quite closely with over summer one year were kind of looking into that area of research and I really mm. enjoyed working with them so I kind of continued on with that and um yeah my, my first kind of main condition that I was really interested in was cardiovascular disease so it's kind of perfect yeah 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 and any any tidbits anything useful from a healthy aging point of view that uh, we should all be doing or could be doing um of course exercise <laughs> um yeah. I, I think what's probably really important to note is that I mean lifelong exercise um at a moderate intensity at a moderate amount per week um we all know the numbers is extremely Mm. valuable but that it's also never too late to start um you know at the age of 60 if you have a heart attack and then two months later you start an exercise rehabilitation program with a clinical exercise physiologist you can really or i use the word reverse carefully but reduce the ongoing effects of of any of the damage potentially that you've done or um 
and prevent further decline or comorbidities. So mm, mm, uh, that's probably something I'd, I'd touch on. But. Yeah, it's pretty encouraging, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing that, as you say, it's never too late. And uh, I think there's, there is a perception out there that that is the case. And um, yeah, that's people kind of good. get to a stage where they go, can't be bothered or it's not worth it, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. And like the, mm. I mean, the amount of progress you can make in, in eight to 12 weeks in the initial 12 weeks from being deconditioned even if you don't have very limiting medical conditions, you can make so much progress in 12 weeks mm. that you can you can even sometimes pull yourself from a high risk client into the next phase of a moderate risk by with 12 weeks. Sure, you have wow. to maintain it, but like it's yeah. I mean, in the scale of things, it's just no time, is it at all? Exactly. Yeah. You know, in, a, in a lifetime. Wow. Yeah, and I think that that kind of understanding and kind of I guess stigma around gyms and lycra and stuff is definitely becoming mm. a thing of the past um mm. and the few facilities I work out of there's I mean my oldest client's 93 years old wow. um, and he comes three times per week and fantastic it. so it's yeah the I think yeah reducing the the worry or the kind of anxiety around a gym setting for these older adults is something that that is really important mm. Mm, mm. that's amazing yeah 93 eh? i guess if he's coming three times a week and he's 93 he's going to get gets the ton at least isn't it <laughs> yes well we hope yeah yeah letter from the queen stuff that yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean the quality of life if you're exercising regularly as a 93 year old compared to someone who's not yeah. potentially could yeah. be the huge could be the difference between being independent or going out to the supermarket yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, i mean everyone's so different but yeah we do see a wide range and it's very clear those who are keeping active not only helps the body but their mind their mind mm. is so much sharper mm. Mm. yeah this it, like you say it's that quality of those years that is is the critical thing isn't it we all know we're going to get to that point but it's how they go that makes the difference and uh we're, we're we're preaching to ourselves because we're already the converted but you know and so is the audience probably but yeah you know, getting right. that getting that message out there and and helping people understand so so do you get your referrals a few for referrals from that medical community that you liaise with is yeah we, standard? we've managed to build a few really um strong relationships with a few uh, medical specialists in the area mm. um, the referrals aren't aren't flying in by any means but we do yeah. we do talk back and forth about certain clients and that we some clients get recommended to come and see us mm. um but for most of it is actually word of mouth um clients will see us and their friends will be like what have you been doing the last six months or mm. Mm. looking fantastic or you didn't used to walk this fast or mm. whatever um mm. but yeah mainly word of mouth i think for now sure. would be the main main source yeah. of yeah Clientele. it sounds as though you've kind of sussed the the business model that works well for you you know, having the the group exercise and the, the community that that builds it looks like you've got an amazing community um indoors and outdoors and i suppose we're we're, we're heading back indoors fairly soon aren't we which is pretty exciting <laughs> i know it's um, crazy, isn't it? yeah. what's um what sort of things i've seen some photos of you running up and down dunes i'm assuming that's out west somewhere in the yeah, yeah. So, like, I probably like think of the business optimized health. Our main sort of main business part mm. is 
clinical side and we run that um, an amazing little um, gym in Mission Bay called oh. Champion Fitness. Yeah. Um, there are such a lovely team there, um, mm. an amazing atmosphere. So that's where we see most of our clinical clients or individuals with special considerations and older adults. Yeah. And we run quite a clinical program there. Um, but I live out west in Kumu, so I mm. also, especially during lockdown, I realized I need to diversify um, the business and the pool of clients a little bit. Mm. So we do a lot of beach sessions out here in Murawai and nice. uh, park sessions, but looking forward to get back inside and see all our clients that we haven't seen for yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Very soon, three days. So, so. Um, uh, some of the things that you've adapted to, and, and well done, I'm not going to use the P word, but uh, some of the things that you've done that have, have, have meant that your business model is more sustainable, are those things that you will want to continue and, and keep doing? Yeah, I think, I think it definitely has brought in a bit more variety. I mean, we also, as well as the clinical side, we do a lot of work in, in corporate health and go see businesses for assessments and yeah. health wellness sort of programs. Yeah. And then alongside that is the sort of healthy fit kind of more um, intensive things like a group class outside or personal training. Um, mm. I mean, we've got so much uh, kind of experience and knowledge in the area of special considerations. So I do gravitate hugely to helping people who have either chronic pain or surgeries or injuries or postpartum. Um, yeah. But of course, while business is struggling, we'll take <laughs> we'll take the the people yeah. who don't have any special considerations. But I mm. think it because we have such a niche. When if someone comes in and they're, I don't know, young, healthy person who just wants to get fit or lose a bit of weight, then that's when I think it's important that we also refer on to personal mm. trainers who mm. who are trained for these exact people. So we yeah. don't, we're not trying to spread out and take, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Share and share, and share alike. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think everyone's got so much to offer. And I think probably one of the biggest things that I've learned working in all the different facilities and with the different people is that, pass people on when you're not fully mm. trained to work with them mm. um and that and there's enough people for everyone and if you're going to work together the client gets the best uh treatment and yeah yeah absolutely yeah couldn't agree more grow the pie <clears throat> grow, grow the pie the grow the pie together rather than try and steal someone else's pie exactly yeah so we work quite a lot with physiotherapists as well and mm physiotherapist that will see someone for an acute treatment of an injury but then we do the chronic long-term kind of holistic approach for the body systems yeah brilliant brilliant <clears throat> so when you say holistic what sort of uh, aspects do you look at mm, yeah sure so I think probably with um explaining holistic like we we definitely look a bit at nutrition um mm. and refer on when we need to for a yeah. dietitian nor a nutritionist we um look at the full body system so if someone's come in for knee arthritis um we will still do a full body function assessment on them mm. also still recommend a cardiac assessment um and then kind of treat the body as a whole which is so important yeah. as well as focusing largely on the area that causes the most problems or discomfort um but yeah kind of I mean, we use exercise for health, not for many other purposes other than health really is first mm. and foremost. So mm. um, even if someone comes in with knee arthritis or knee surgery, they still need ideally to meet the absolute minimum recommendations for the cardiac health and all those other areas. So right. yeah. we try to make sure we can encompass everything to 
basically optimize their health. I, yeah, yeah, it keeps me. the name. <laughs> it keeps. I mean, you you got the name right. It's um, it keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? It's um, you're right. We're we're not separate parts. So the sellotape together, you know, everything's connected to everything, including this top bit. And um, when you look at a human rather than a than than a body. Um, you get better insights because you're, you're looking through the right lens, I think. Yeah, definitely. You sound like um, you sound like you quite enjoy the problem solving clients, ones that can be quite tricky and there's no obvious answer when they stand in front of you and even after they've filled their paperwork in. Is, is that a right assumption? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I yeah. think, um, and I think that's probably most clinical exercise physiologists because if something is obvious and can be done yet yeah, we can we can do that in our day-to-day -day. but if there's a client that comes in with a condition we've never heard of or they've felt like they've tried everything they've gone to a physio they've gone to a specialist they've seen their doctor and whatever they've been doing hasn't worked that's when I get really excited I think mm. and I mm. kind of take the time to really look at their notes research what I can trial different um exercises or programs and I think that's also where you get the most reward mm. I mean 100% of the time it's not good it's not going to work 100% of the time but I've got I've managed to have a couple of clients who have come in at basically their wits end we've just sat down and worked through it and it's taken a few months okay. but it, these this can be life-changing really the results yeah yeah yeah, that gets me the most excited for sure. Yeah, I could see your energy levels just go up a minute. Okay, thank you. And now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> very excited about it too, yeah. Yeah, very, very, because I love those clients too, right? I mean, it, <clears throat> when you've been doing it for a while, you know, the, the challenging clients become the more interesting clients rather than the, oh, I just want to get fit. Well, you know, you and anybody could could take somebody through a program to get them fitter but it's about understanding you know something's going on with a foot or with a knee or with a hip or the lower back or you know is it related to the rib cage or the shoulder you know putting those links together and seeing what's driving the the issue and then sort of having some success with implementing something and going ah we found it and so from there you can you can move forwards with yeah. Um, you know progressing programs and, and and sort of seeing some some serious um, progress being made it's uh, those are exciting yeah for sure and seeing the clients change over that time is mm. what's what's the most impressive and if I can just give a little example I probably yeah. know this example is our little success story but um we have this lovely client who we've seen for probably three and a half years now and um she's a condition called mitochondrial myopathy which is mm. very rare I mean, she has a lot of other rare associated kind of uh, parameters to do with it. And um, it's also a degenerative condition. So like the, you know, every year you expect mm. the condition to kind of decrease the function and the capacity. Mm. When we first saw her, she couldn't get out of a chair without assistance with her hands um, and leaning right forward. Uh, she would walk with her walking stick. She was not confident in driving. She wouldn't travel alone. Um, and after two years, we actually, this um, case took us to Orlando in America, to the American College of Sports Medicine, and my colleague Catherine presented uh, this case. And um, wow. yeah, the improvements were unbelievable. She doesn't take her walking stick now, unless there's a place she doesn't know. She traveled to Christchurch by herself for the first time since she could remember. Um, oh, and just her confidence in her whole life and her outlook changed. Um, 
that's when we were working with her regularly. And unfortunately now with lockdown, you mm. notice the decline. So yeah, you can just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta think outside of the box for these people because yeah. your normal come do eight to 12 uh, resistance exercises between mm. the reps of 10 to 12 and mm. it's, it's just never going to work. Um, yeah, sure. You might maintain some muscle, but the, you need to really think outside the box and mm. we were doing things that everyone else in the gym was like what on earth are these people doing? <laughs> like we were throwing tissue papers and trying to catch them yeah. while still standing or yeah. a harder ball and then doing some dancing and just really mixing it up and training right. the nervous system and it yeah can really yeah yeah getting getting this stuff firing differently yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. interesting uh, fantastic yeah. wow what a what an amazing story and and to be able to then present that back to um, you know medical colleagues and um, you know people who are interested to listen to those sorts of cases because then they can inspire yeah. their own practices. That's pretty special yeah. stuff. So yeah, pretty. We're very fortunate to, yeah. to be able to work with her. And I mean, head off to this client because she puts in the effort and she's mm. got the right attitude. And she, well, without without her kind of attitude, she wouldn't be where she is. No of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's an instrument. Walk through the door yeah. against odds that other people don't have to have those challenges. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We have so Amazing. so fortunate to work with her. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, you've basically changed her life. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We I think, yeah, she she has said things along those lines as well. Mm. So it's really nice. Mm. Um, mm. yeah, of course there's ups and downs with every sort of, of case and condition but yeah it's some it's really really incredible mm. to see what people mm. can actually mm. achieve with some good guidance yeah. yeah 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 what a case study and and i guess a really good example to new people coming in who may not have the belief you know you can share that story and i would want to like plaster her face <laughs> her videos all over the place but um yeah something, something called privacy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. she would yeah, have right. to she would certainly have to agree to that <laughs> of course no she's very open to yeah, yeah well she believes in it as well because she's been proof of that yeah proof yeah, of the work so. yeah phenomenal great what a story um i had a note here which may be a bit of a side shift on the topic but you've got a, <clears throat> a hundred day challenge oh yeah now that's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> it's out there <laughs> so i have one of my really good friends is like a phenomenal graphic designer oh, again yeah. side her name's Christy. Look her up. Pink Pony Creative. If okay. you want to diverge from the PT realm and talk to someone um, passionate. Oh. Anyway, she did a 100-day design challenge, and that's how she started her business. And halfway through this year, I was like, oh, social media. Like, I, I don't really enjoy making content. I struggle mm -hmm. to post. I don't love seeing my face and talking on it. I'm going to do a 100-day challenge. Every day for 100 days, I'm going to post something. Something oh. to share, whether it's oh. about or some education or some exercise something that's hopefully beneficial to one or two other people hmm. I, I think I got to like day 49 and they gave up <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah nearly um, halfway <laughs> yeah, I maybe I'll do another 51 days another yeah. time but um okay god social media is hard it's mm. so hard mm. yeah. it sure <laughs> so is it's off to the people who are killing it on social media yeah right Right. So did you have other people doing the same thing? Was it sort of a collective thing or? No, no, it no. was basically for myself and, and for the business. I connected it a little bit, but um, okay. yeah. Okay. 
Okay, right. Now that might be a challenge then. If you've done 49, I'm going to try and do 50. <laughs> Let me know when you get to 49. I'll uh, just, I stay one day ahead. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I should just tag you in every single one and then, you know, then, then you know I'm doing it. It's a challenge. That is a proper challenge. Like I struggled with three days, so you did yeah. well. Thank you. Well, yeah. half the stuff I just made up on the spot and I don't think it's very beneficial. So I decided that I'll just stop that. Yeah. They say you should plan it, don't they? You know, you um, yeah. plan it a week out. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to know what I want to say on Friday? No, that's totally where I went wrong. Um, I planned to plan it, but I mm. never actually planned it in advance. Um, mm. That's still one of my goals is to have like some sort of content and education creation a couple of weeks in advance to put out there um i think i'm going to put that on my 2022 goal list ah good on you Excellent. i talked to my my team of staff and maybe do some delegation because i've decided i'm not very good at it there's an idea and then you can get their different personalities coming out exactly. through the, through the yeah. posts yeah Definitely, yeah perfect nice 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 bit of delegation there <laughs> so um so megan some tips and tricks things that you've learned along the way or other people have taught you or things that you've made mistakes with that you know you wouldn't, wouldn't do again what sort of uh, oh gems um, might you have well um I guess probably start with um probably one of the biggest things that I would like to kind of get out there for anyone in the industry like an exercise someone who takes exercise class a personal trainer right up to your highest skilled physiologist or mm. is just to keep asking questions um ask your clients as much questions as you can i think a lot of people potentially um who are personal trainers or exercise professionals might get a little bit concerned or embarrassed to ask a question especially around the medical history of a client so let's just say um someone comes in looking for a personal trainer oh i've had a um a stent mm. and if you don't know what a stent is one either don't take the client on or ask them ask the client they're there to help and share yeah. um ask them and then you can make an informed decision if the, if you are the right person to look after this client um so ask your clients as many questions as you can about themselves about their histories um and also keep asking questions about about why exercises work why doesn't exercise hurt why why is this response not occurring or what can i add on that will will give extra value so mm. um yeah ask so many questions and don't be afraid not to know things because yeah. nobody we all know next to nothing let's be honest um <laughs> so um and i think the more study you do the more you realize and i mean that's what everyone says right the more you, the more you study the less you know um but it's so important to know what you don't know and don't be afraid to be like i've never heard that word before so what um and look into it yeah for sure um and then my other huge kind of way of treating individuals is look at the individual the individual that's in front of you one person um mm. so i use the word individual and personalized so many times throughout a day and that's how we advertise all our services um you might run five different people through the exact same assessment but no one's ever, ever going to have the exact same results or movement patterns. or So treating people as an individual is what I think will put you hugely above other professionals in the area that kind of just go more with the cookie-cutter approach. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. that's what exercise physiologists pride themselves on is an individualised approach, not based on movement patterns alone, but 
chronic conditions, medication. Medications change the way you respond to exercise. Not And people are on whole different amounts of concoctions of medication as well. Mm, mm. But I guess that's two of my kind of ways of really working with people is asking questions, researching and um, treating everyone yeah. as an individual. Mm. Brilliant. I like that. That's great. I've got a question that comes from that, though. Um, <laughs> just because I'm curious. Um, people well, react. Good, ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> got to ask questions because I don't know. I know I don't know. Um, medic, you talk about medication and response or, or um, was it was it response to medication or different response in terms of an exercise with depending on a, a medication or mix of medications? Sure. Can you give me an example that people could relate to? Um, sure. I guess I'll probably just one of the simplest examples. Yeah. Some of the medications that individuals might be on due to hypertension or high blood pressure. Yeah. So you could be on a medication that helps to reduce your blood pressure. Mm. Um, these can also affect your heart rate. So it helps to reduce your heart rate, dependent on the medication. I won't go into yeah. the details, but say, for example, I'm on a medication that causes um, a reduction in my heart rate. Mm. Um, therefore, if I was going to exercise um, at a given intensity, my heart rate could be uh, substantially lower than someone who's not on the medication. And if you're using heart rate as a guide for intensity, well, yeah, you yeah. can throw that out the window. Yeah. Yes. So um, I guess just a simple example about looking yeah. at what the individual's taking and what how they react. Um, you got to use we use a whole lot of different tools, not just heart rate but rating of perceived exertion oxygen consumption you mm. can look at a whole lot of different variables depending on what you're trained to, mm. to use mm. uh, yeah that's probably one of the yeah things. yeah yeah um, that's a good example which I probably was aware of but um, I like the fact that you've contextualized it for me because that that's one of many other possibilities I suppose um, yeah sure. uh, like a beta blocker I guess is probably the uh, exactly. yeah. example isn't it you know um, yeah if uh, you're trying to achieve a number and you're not getting there, you probably need to have known that they were on a beta blocker and therefore you probably wouldn't have got there in the first place. So, um, yeah, it makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, depending on conditions and medications, there's, there's so many different interactions you can have with the individual and the, and the medical kind of substance they're taking. So, mm. yeah, just make sure that you ask questions based on every aspect of the individual. And if there's something you don't know, either refer on or, or look it up and make sure you're qualified to deal with, with that individual or that condition because yeah. you're not helping anyone if you're just pretending and you probably feel like a bit of an idiot too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If yeah. you start to feel uncomfortable, you probably know you're outside your comfort zone or scope of practice. Definitely. And I think what's also good is, I mean, the clinical exercise physiology kind of membership isn't huge it's got nothing on personal trainers and exercise professionals um but every clinical exercise physiologist i know is very passionate and they're all lovely if we would more than happily respond to questions about different conditions or situations that pts might come across mm. and then be able to help with some tips on how to deal with it or decide well actually that's probably quite risky and you might want to look at your insurance policies uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah to be honest i mean it sounds a bit grim but well yeah, yeah no, that's a good reality well, check you know and, and i think that helps people go well that's the point at which i'm going to be referring them to you and um hopefully you can carry on from there and give them what they need yeah and i mean a lot of clients would 
would do really well going through somewhere between 12 weeks and a year's pro well a year is a long time but depending on the condition um, a program and learn their limits and learn how their medications interact and then be referred back to a general yeah. or a personal trainer with these guidelines hey these are the assessments we took this is what we'd recommend now yes. yeah as long as they're exercising i mean it's more important to do something than nothing yeah 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 absolutely I think that we, you know, building those those relationships with each other and allied health professionals, I think is the is the key, because mm. then we a we know where we start and finish, but also we're strengthening the bonds so that there's a sort of a seamless service that goes on for those people out there who who are the, the clients ultimately. Exactly. I mean, I yeah. think well, in all the slightly different professions we have, all have so much to offer, and mm. you know, going into a world where you compete against each other is just something that I would oh it's yeah. just yeah. the worst way forward for the clients let yeah. alone for all your professions yeah exactly exactly it's not in their interests and unfortunately people get in their own way sometimes so yeah exactly but there are a lot of people out there um from all different areas of education and expertise that are just willing to collaborate and work together and yeah, yeah i think yeah. that is so so valuable for sure to find find the right ones and yeah. uh, and away you go definitely so yeah. much to be gained yeah perfect well that's a nice note to end on i think thank you so much thanks so much for your time thanks so much for your tips and uh, and really clarifying that whole field of expertise that you work in and uh, and how a it's different and how it's similar and how we can work together as um a collective of two different industries that you know do do aim to try and help people you know to, yeah, to achieve sure. optimize to optimize their health yeah, perfect. And I guess probably one last thing to add would be just to have a look if anyone's interested in what clinical exercise physiologist is and what it what we mm -hmm. do. CEPNZ is the kind of the governing body for New Zealand that uh, focuses. And you can just have a look and you can find clinical exercise physiologists all over New Zealand on the website there. Yeah. Um, I think the email addresses are there too. So just get in yeah. contact and see what's going on. I will... Um... I will try and dig that out and I will um, drop that into the show notes underneath um, this episode so people can go and have a look for themselves. Um, and if you've got any social links you want to send me, I'm happy to chuck those in as well so people can find you. And if they need to make contact with you because they don't know any experts, sure. then, hey, look, it'd be good for people to, to make that contact and have yeah. a conversation. Yeah, always happy to meet new people for sure. Um, and if anybody wants to help me with my social media, <laughs> i'm sure they can Fantastic. Brilliant. thanks okay. thanks megan great right. chatting Thank you, Richard. okay bye. bye thanks for listening to this episode of the pt graduate if you enjoyed the episode please leave a five star rating and hit the subscribe button and i'd love it for you to share with your friends and colleagues so they can listen too Cheers for now.